0: N-P-R.
1: Hey, Waylon. Sam Yellowhorse Kessler, Planet Money producer. Hello.
2: So I want to play a little game. Do you recognize this sound?
1: Uh, <laughs> me, me. <laughs> oh, yes. That's the speedy roadrunner from the classic Warner Brothers cartoons, the smiling bird that's always being chased by Wild E. Coyote, this sort of deranged, mangy-looking dog.
2: Yeah, Coyote keeps trying different contraptions to try and catch Roadrunner, but the schemes always backfire in some spectacular and hilarious fashion. And yet, Coyote never gives up on his Sisyphean task of catching the Roadrunner.
3: He is the most optimistic character I've ever known.
2: This is the voice of Hollywood producer Chris DeFaria.
3: He wakes up every single morning, sets the table for Roadrunner stew that night, and every night he has to put the little fork and knife away and go back to bed and start again the next day.
2: For the past four years, Chris has been working on a movie called Coyote vs. Acme. He had really high hopes for the film, but then suddenly the road he was running on turned into a cliff. This is The Indicator from Planet Money. I'm Sam Yellowhorse kessler And
1: I'm Waylon Wong. After filming and post-production was completed, Warner Brothers Discovery decided to scrap Coyote vs. Acme, a first for the studio.
2: Today on the show, what Coyote's latest misadventure tells us about the weird world of Hollywood economics. And what happens when a movie studio realizes that it no longer makes economic sense to actually release a movie. <laughs> Hollywood producer Chris DeFaria first got into show business as a kid.
3: I was the voice of Peppermint Patty in the Peanuts TV shows. In fact, the most recent uh, Thanksgiving episode features me prominently.
1: I cannot believe Chris featured so prominently in my childhood. I'm still getting over it. Peppermint Patty was always this plucky, tomboyish scamp who was constantly trying to get the attention of Charlie Brown, or Chuck, as she called him.
0: Uh, I
3: don't mind inviting myself over because I know you kind of like me, Chuck.
2: Years later, Chris went on to produce big budget movies like Gravity and Mad Max Fury Road, but he's always had a soft spot for
3: animation. I think when we watch animation, we're probably a little more susceptible to the emotions and messages. Uh, I often say that, look, uh, you know, live action movies are seeking often an objective truth. Animation really is pursuing an emotional truth.
2: Chris saw movies like Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which blended live action and animation, as an inspiration. He went on to become one of the founders of Warner Bros.' current animation division. And so, around four years ago, when Warner Brothers floated the idea of a Wile e. Coyote movie, Chris was really excited to get on board.
1: The movie was based off of a New Yorker humor piece, where Wile E. Coyote sues the Acme company. This is the company that supplies Coyote with the equipment for its failed schemes to get the Roadrunner. Coyote's lawyers argue that Acme has a virtual monopoly over the Coyote.
2: Do you think the Looney Tunes versions of The Indicator would have covered that story?
1: Oh, definitely.
2: And as the producer of Coyote vs. Acme, Chris's job was to line up all the talent. Hire a writer for the script, an artist to make the storyboards.
1: So they've got their schematics and their blueprints and their TNT all lined up.
2: Right, exactly. Just normal planning stuff.
1: And does that plan also contemplate how much you think it's going to make?
3: Very interesting question. Um, the economics of the movie business are curious. The studios definitely greenlight a movie and particularly approve the budget of the movie based on their best projections about what it will make. Also, it's a really important component of that, this process, and that's the that's the gut And the willingness to take risk and the willingness to say, you know what, I think we're going to take a bet here because you never know, you might have magic in a bottle.
1: In 2021, things were not feeling quite so magical at Warner. It had announced a merger with Discovery to become Warner Brothers Discovery. And David Zaslav, the CEO of the new media conglomerate, was inheriting a studio laden with debt.
2: He also inherited the films in progress at Warner Brothers. Now, typically, new studio heads will try and make the best of the movies that are already in the works when they take over.
0: The new administration will shun or not give the uh, absolute amount of oomph to a particular release. But the film will still come out.
2: That is Anthony D'Alessandro. He is a writer and editor at Deadline, a trade publication covering Hollywood. When Zaslav came into power, he did release a lot of previously greenlit films, like The Flash and the colossal hit Barbie. So
0: it has been an anomaly
1: that we see movies being killed. First, it was a new Backgirl movie. Then it was a Scooby-Doo movie called Scoob Holiday Haunt.
2: These movies had finished filming, but still had some post-production left to do.
1: Anthony says the studio is stemming its losses by putting the movies in a vault and writing them down on its taxes. There's some industry debate about this take, but basically it goes that the studio can count the movies as a loss since it didn't make any money on them. And then the company can get back a fraction of the millions of dollars it already spent.
2: Now, to be clear, this move doesn't generate a net profit for the company, but the alternative would be spending even more money on marketing and distribution. Marketing, in particular, is a huge expense for a movie that can rival or even exceed the movie's production cost. For instance, Barbie cost $145 million to produce and $150 million to market.
1: Warner Brothers Discovery put a lot of marketing oomph into that movie. And maybe they weren't so sure about Coyote vs. Acme, which was originally supposed to be in the Barbie slot and release on July 21st, 2023.
2: So, would moviegoers have called that weekend Coyote vs. Oppenheimer?
1: Yes, what a matchup. But before Acme and Oppenheimer could see who could make the biggest explosion at the box office, Chris got a call from someone at Warner Brothers Discovery.
3: On a Wednesday afternoon, we were told that the movie was not going to be released, that they'd made a difficult, very difficult decision to not release the film.
1: We can't pinpoint for certain Warner Brother Discovery's reason for scrapping Coyote vs. Acme, but it's possible they thought the box office revenue or returns from streaming would not cover the cost of marketing and distribution. We reached out to the company, but they had no comment. Anthony says the studio is opting to get the credit back on taxes. Chris says he
2: was told there was a financial reason that Coyote vs. Acme was axed, but he doesn't know how much money was involved in the decision. Like he said before, the economics of moviemaking are curious. It's part spreadsheets, part guts. All he knows is he was just left with sadness for everyone who'd spent four years working on the movie with him.
3: And I know that they all stayed late, and I know that they told their families that they would, it was going to be great and that there was going to be worth it. And, uh, and that's what got me, and that was I thought about mostly.
2: Chris saw what happened to Batgirl and Scoob Holiday Haunt, but Coyote vs. Acme was further along than those films. It was a finished movie, ready to be released to theaters.
3: In my history of working in Hollywood, I'd never seen a movie that was shelved this way.
0: Neither has
1: Deadline editor Anthony.
0: It is unheard of to see a finished movie completely thrown into a vault and not released.
2: Now, after a public backlash, Warner Brothers Discovery did an about-face and agreed not to scrap the film, but instead to shop it to streamers. Paramount is reportedly eyeing the movie, as is Amazon.
0: I think Coyote vs. Acme, someone's going to buy that film. Somebody is interested in that film, and we'll make that movie work.
1: Anthony says Warner Brothers Discovery could have tried to sell Coyote vs. Acme to a streamer in the first place. You know, take a loss, but avoid drawing all of the public backlash. At
0: the end of the day, this is a PR nightmare
1: they didn't need to have.
2: You know, Waylon, it's hard not to see this movie as a parallel to Coyote itself. Something of an underdog throughout all this, but persistent to the end.
0: This is a tale of Coyote versus Warner Brothers' discovery. And I think in the end, you know, he's going to outrun them. Wiley wins.
1: Ooh, that is a good headline for the Hollywood trade press. <laughs>
0: Wiley wins. Wiley wins. <laughs>
2: This episode was produced by Corey Bridges with engineering by Josh Newell. It was fact-checked by Sierra Juarez and edited by Kate Kincannon. The Indicator is a production of NPR.